tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 59. Well, hey there, my friends. I hope you're having a great day. Before we start, I just wanted to pause again and say thank you. Thank you for listening to The Living Room. With the three bazillion trillion podcasts out there, it's really an honor to be in your ear or on your phone or with you in the car as you drive along. I'm really excited about today's interview because we're going to learn how to work smarter rather than harder. And Kendrick Adachi is going to show us how. Well, hey there, Miss Kendra. We're so glad to have you with us in the living room. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Joanna. Yeah, I have to say, I, I, I don't even know where I saw it, but I came across the Lazy Genius Way, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that is just a genius title. <laughs> <laughs> Because, oh, I, I, it's kind of funny. I have said for many years that, that um, you know, I have perf- perfectionist tendencies, but I call myself a frustrated perfectionist because <laughs> I, I, I know what it needs to be done, but I'm a frustrated perfectionist with the motivational gift of laziness. Right. And so <laughs> that's, that's been exciting. And so I saw your stuff and I'm like, oh, I got to have her on. Kind of, can you just kind of tell us where where the lazy genius way came from? Sure. Well, it's great. It's a great story because I did not come up with the name. Um, it's actually, it originated from, I believe, one of your previous guests, one of your first ones, I think, Emily P. Freeman. Oh, yeah. She is a buddy of mine and she's like so good at naming things. That's one of her secret gifts. And um, we've been friends for a de- over a decade. And I was just processing with her this space. And I've been I've been on the internet, you know, for a long time for for 10, 10 years or so. But um, I was transitioning from having talked about cooking, like I had a food blog for a while. And then I transitioned into a very, very specific kind of space where I married uh, celebrities and desserts. And oh. it was super fun. It was sort of like, the lightness that we need. Sometimes, you know, we need to think about like really deep things. And then we also need to turn Benedict Cumberbatch into a cookie. And so (laughs) that was what that space was. And it was great. But then I started to kind of transition into this, this space, which the point of it really was to just begin to offer permission and kind of say the things that I feel like people were feeling, but weren't speaking out loud about the difficulties of just being a person. Like it's just really hard to be a person. And so as I was talking with her about it, with Emily, I just, you know, I was like, well, it's like, we're trying so hard at all these things. And she's like, yeah, we're trying to be a genius. I'm like, yeah. And she said, you, you want us to be a lazy genius. And it was like, you nailed it. That's what it is. So, Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, now I feel like, um, you know, it's like chicken soup for the soul. It's chicken soup for the teenager soul, chicken soup for the teacher soul. It's now (laughs) it's just like lazy genius, all the things like I'm just the lazy genius, whatever. So we start with the lazy genius way. That's where we begin. (laughs) I love it. Well, did you uh, did you kind of start it for yourself, just uh, this method that you teach, or or where did that come from? Yeah, no, that's a great question. It's funny because the way that my brain works is it's very efficient. I love efficiency, 
But I also have like a lot of, you know, like, like we all do, I have like deep childhood wounds about what that efficiency really means, you know, like the connection to my value and that kind of thing. And so because of that, because the stakes were really high for me (laughs) to get this right, um, I was really good at it. You know, it was like, you gotta, we're gonna figure this out really, really fast. But also I just sort of think in terms of systems and I, I, that perfectionist, well, it's not really the perfectionist side. I am definitely one of those uh, recovering. But the genius side, like trying to, you know, do things well, that part has sort of, this sounds like a weird pat on the back. That comes easy to me. Like being a genius comes easy to me. I don't mean <laughs> it to sound that way. That's good. That, that came out wrong. Hey, listen, um, you you got to call it what it is, girl. <laughs> so I, I really love finding like the best way to do something. It yeah. gives me a lot of energy. But what happens is if you are solely motivated by that, by that end, without like any space or grace for the season of life that you're in, or um, the fact that you are hormonal, or the fact that you are, you know, a person who is like disconnected from the people in your life, or you know, there's just like all kinds of things, you're not resting, you're not being kind to yourself, like there are all these things that are intangible, that basically take away the the good that we're trying to do in our lives it, on that efficiency side, on that genius side. Like if you only lead with, I'm just going to be a genius at everything without knowing where you can let things go and where you can sort of relax and be kind to yourself, you're just going to run yourself into the ground. And so, um, so I experienced... <laughs> Ask me how I know. So in in that in that effort in that endeavor that was failed, um, when I kind of came out on the other side, which I still am, like all the time, it's kind of a daily out on the other side. But when I started to name that this is not a sustainable way to live, right, and started to see some of these consistencies in the choices that I was making, um, it just felt too good to not share. And it was something that I wasn't really seeing in this particular way, in this particular package that I bring, that I was like, man, is this my next thing? Is this what I'm supposed to do next? And, you know, here we are five years later. That's awesome. That's awesome. So unpack the lazy genius way for us a little bit. Well, a lazy genius is someone who is a genius about the things that matter Mm. and then lazy about the things that don't. And the key there is you have to decide what matters. Not everything can matter. The things that matter to you, Joanna, are might not be the things that matter to me and vice versa. But we sort of have this assumption that we have to be all the things to all the people and get all the things right. And um, and that's just not that's not sustainable as a human. That's why everyone is so tired. So the lazy genius way, the book I wrote is 13 principles. They're lazy genius principles because you do not need systems to follow. You do not need rules uh, that you're going to fail at. You don't, we don't need those things. We're already good at finding those things and like collecting life hacks. Um, What we need is we need our, we need principles that we can apply to like any season of our life, any situation that we're in to kind of put us in the framework of like, Hey, what matters here? What actually matters most? And then what decisions do I make after that? Do I let go of this thing? Am I a little bit more lazy about this? Or do I actually really feel compelled, maybe even called to put more time and energy into this thing? Because this thing so deeply matters to me. Yeah. So how do we discern that? 
That is the million dollar question. (laughs) (laughs) That's the next big thing. (laughs) That's actually the thing I get asked the most. The number one frequently asked question is where do you, where do you get your glasses? And then the second most frequently (laughs) asked question is how do I figure out what matters? And I think what we tend to do, I'm not an expert at this. I, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have like a pat answer for this because this is part of being a person, right? Like what matters to me now, I'm 39. What matters to me now actually didn't matter before the pandemic. You know, like we have been put into like just a a masterclass of trying to figure out what matters to us. Like what matters changes. And I think what happens is we expect ourselves to be able to name this like singular thing. It's like our odds that we're, you know, chasing down our yellow brick road of like, once I get there, then everything's going to be okay. And it just, that's just not how life works. Like every season teaches us something. We are always sort of, we're always learning. You know, I think that we are, we are active, alive people. And if you are a believer, then the word of God is active as well. And you're just being like, you're being, you're being changed every single day into more of who God made you to be. And so if we expect there to be like some singular thing that we can figure out right now when we're whatever age we are in the season and expect it to carry us through, it's just not going to. And so I think we just put too much pressure on, on the, like, well, I don't know what my one thing is. Well, that's not, that's not what the goal here is. It's like when you're in, like for me, I'll give you an an example from today. So I'm trying to get my kids out of the door for school, right? My son is asking me, he's in fifth grade. And so that means where I live, he's going to start middle school. It's in months and months, but registration is now. And so it's like in his head that he's going to middle school. Well, he's been asking us about, is there bullying in middle school? Like he tries mm-hmm. to like play it off, you know, like that he's not super concerned about it, but he's asked, he asks almost every day if we could, can we talk a little bit more about like what bullying might look like? He's, he's nervous about it. Well, today he's like, mom, can we talk about bullying? As I'm like packing a lunch and I'm late trying to get a shower for myself. And, you know, it's just like the normal morning scurry, right? And I had to, I started to feel this like rush of annoyance come up, like, dude, we've talked about this so many times, like now is not the time, you know, like how we sort of react out of what we think we need or what we think matters. I was reacting or I wanted in that moment, in that um, kind of like split second reactionary moment, I wanted to react out of efficiency. I got things to do, man. You know, I don't have time for this. But instead, when I stop and I go, okay, what matters most here? What matters most is my kid is scared. So how can I make him feel seen and loved literally in the next four seconds because he's got to walk out the door and I got things to do too. We're on a clock here, but how can I lead with that first? How So I can say something like, buddy, you sound really worried about that. Can we talk tonight after you get home or after dinner or whatever? Like we'll meet on the couch and we'll, you can ask me any questions you want to. Okay, mom, that sounds great. And he goes out the door. You know, it's like when you lead, we don't need some like massive thing to name that's like going to lead us in every single direction. It's not like a code, code breaking ring. You just ask yourself in the moment, like what matters most right now? Mm. And there are certain times where I think we would have similar answers, like connection almost always matters more than anything else. Um, But there also might be ways that you connect with your community, um, with your family, with your neighbors that look differently than me. With your, I think about my kids' class, actually, um, there are parents in that class who are 
like wanting to be in the classroom. They're tutors. They're, you know, like they're active in the room. Well, I don't have the kind of time for that. So rather, not the kind of time, like I don't have time for that, but my time, I'm actually having to choose to use my very limited time to do this work, to do my job. So instead, rather than saying, beating myself up and saying like, you're such a bad mom, like look at all these parents that are in there helping. What I can do is when the teacher needs books for the class to read, I can pay for those. I can buy them and give them to the class because that I, what matters is helping, but I can choose to be a genius about that in the way that makes sense for me and my own resources and my own margin and my own priorities. Like I can still do that and then let that very specific expectation of what it means to be a good mom to my kid in the school that they go to. I can let that go. Oh my goodness. Yes, 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 yes. I'll tell you, and we're living in this culture right now where the perfect parent thing is just like everywhere. Everywhere. And and there's so many messages and there's so, you know, if you just use this system and if you just do that, then you can be everything that you could ever possibly be. And you're right. I think number one, we're exhausted, as you mentioned, but it's almost like we're missing life. Because we're trying to create this image out of all these expectations. And I love, I love this whole idea of we get to decide what matters, that the world doesn't have to say it. No, you know, our our mother-in-law doesn't have to say it. (laughs) We get to say, and, you know, and sometimes I think, I know when, um, when I felt called to write, and I knew it was going to change my life. I'm a pastor's wife. I knew that it was going to, you know, some stuff was going to have to be taken off of my plate to make room for that. And oh my goodness, the guilt, the guilt of like, oh, but I should be this and I should be that. But I finally just sat down with my husband and then also with my kids and just said, here's what I feel like God wants me to do. And it could be costly. You know, it, I may not be home <laughs> when you get home from school. I may, I may be doing something else. Are you guys okay with this? And it was amazing how okay they were, you know, but boy, I had to shed some of the mama guilt. Do you, do you see that with women who are trying to find the lazy genius way? Oh my word. All like constantly. I mean, it's just, it makes me sad to think that there are so many people that are carrying around unnecessary guilt for something that they think is like their faults. Like there was a, um, I was on doing like a, a ask me anything sort of thing on Instagram the other day. And one of the questions was, um, I've just been put on bed rest. What can I do, uh, to be productive? Mm. And I was like, girl, rest is in the word like that. You have, there's nothing you, or it was something, it wasn't even like, what can I do to be productive? It was like, how do I not feel guilty kind of thing? It was, there was, there was guilt wrapped up in that. And just thinking about how, if we try to rest, but we feel guilt about resting or about choosing to pursue something that we, um, that matters to us, that maybe is different from, you know, that it's not like only caring for our family, like you just said, you know, like we do things that are our own vocation and our own calling. And like when we choose those things, we feel all of this guilt. And when we carry the guilt, which is unnecessary and it is not of the Lord, I will say that, like it is not. Um, when we feel that, 
it negates the very beauty that the rest would bring, that focusing on this thing that matters would bring, that the writing would bring. When we carry the guilt into it, we sort of like just dilute the goodness that is in front of us. And so it I see it all the time. I just I I feel like I could talk about mom guilt for the next 20 years and there would still be a captive audience. It's so deeply ingrained in I think especially in in Christian women because there's this expectation and you, you know, I I know that I know that this is something that you've spoken about before. Um just because of like having a merry heart and a Martha world, you know, it's like, right. that's like the whole thing. It's like, there is this expectation of, for example, like the Proverbs 31 woman. Yeah. Shoot me now. You know, <laughs> and it is like, I bless my husband. I love him. Obviously I love him with my whole heart. When he proposed to me, he read that chapter to me as like, <laughs> like a romantic thing before his proposal. And I remember even then before I started to really unpack like the actual history and the purpose of what that what that was and who it was written to and who wrote it and all that. I remember being like, dude, this is a lot of pressure. <laughs> like, yes. I can't do all these things. I can't sew. Like, I don't, I don't know how to barter. This is so complicated. Like, it just felt like this laundry list of like, okay, you got to check off all these things. And if you do that, then, then you will be a wife of noble character. And it was just like, well, I can't ever do that. So what we do is we either kill ourselves trying or we give up completely. It's mm. either all lazy or all genius. And that's why I just feel so moved and compelled and excited to say these words to as many people as possible. I mean, I teach you how to cook chicken. I teach you how to do laundry. Like I'm helping people do like their regular things in life. But also like if you do those things with this undercurrent, this foundational belief that you do not have to be perfect, number one, but you also don't have to be good at everything. You right. can let some things go and it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean that you have to apologize for not being enough. Like it's it's all garbage, this expectation that we have to just be the most optimized people <laughs> that love perfectly every time, like that are incapable of messing up. I mm -hmm. like I think I think, too, I, this was probably I don't know, this was probably a year or two ago. I said something about. Um, just like casually on Instagram, like in a story that I apologized to one of my kids about something. And they were like, wait, you apologize to your kids? And I went wow. like almost every day because I mess up every day. <laughs> like I'm a person, I mess up, but I, and I'm learning, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, sort of the lazy reaction, I guess, in some ways would be like, well, I'm just going to screw up. It's fine. Like mm. I want to cultivate a spirit of, um, kindness towards my kids where I don't have to apologize as often, but not because it changes my value. It's because I want them to feel loved and they can feel loved when I apologize. Um, but it's also, it's also nice to, for me to not have to as often <laughs> as I might, you know, like, I don't think that's a bad thing to try to not do that. Right. But, you know, you bring up an important point because if we're not willing to apologize, Number one, we tell kids it's not okay to make mistakes. We say it's really okay to mess up, but not ever own it. 
But worse, we don't show them like, this is what you do when you mess up. And and isn't that like one of the most important life skills is to be able to own our stuff and and to move on. Oh my goodness, Kendra, this is so good. You know, I was just trying to think, um, you know, how did, how did I distill? How did I get to those things in my own life that mattered? One of the beautiful things is... <laughs> probably the only beautiful thing about getting older is that I think I've learned some things along the way. Um, I, I operated under so much guilt, but there was something beautiful to come to that point and realize I can't do it all and that's okay. But what, what am I supposed to do right now? And so I love this message, like it's going to be different, but how to distill it. And I know for me, one of them, I was just thinking, you know, in this whole online world, you know, you see people, oh, they're like, they're styling their house and they're remodeling all the time or, or they're uh, fashionistas and, and, you know, well, that would be kind of fun to some kind of do this and that, or there was another realm of ministry that I was kind of interested in. And I felt kind of passionate about um, kind of delving into it. And then I realized, wait a minute, I don't even want to do what would be required in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder sometimes if we wouldn't just like pause long enough, like let let that adrenaline, that racing mind, that racing heart just still long enough to say, what really does matter right now? Yeah. And where do I want to invest my time if I had some extra time and, and then to be okay that it's not like everybody else. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, it's kind of like, I use this analogy a lot. Um, I use it in the book and I use it, I use it all the time Um, that we spend so much energy trying to build this really big machine of like how our days are supposed to look based on, like you were saying, like all of the things that other people are, are telling us. So it's like, I used to get, um, I used to get real simple magazine. I, I still love real simple. I don't get it anymore just because does anyone still subscribe to magazines? I mean, I hope so. So that the industry <laughs> like, you know, doesn't die. But, um, but I used to read that like it was the Bible because they would have lists, you know, those, those home mm-hmm. magazines, they're telling you like, this is, this is the amount that you spend on a Christmas gift to your mailman. And I was like, wait, my mailman supposed to get a Christmas gift? I didn't know that. Okay. And so I had these like elaborate lists of the things I was supposed to do. Like you need to clean your baseboards every three months. You need to change your whatever this. And I had this like the annual calendar with all of these household chores mapped out. I had my outfits mapped out. I mean, I wrote down what I was going to wear for six months in advance. Did I follow that? No. Did I spend an entire Saturday making that list and stressing out? Yes. It's like we spend so much energy building these machines that we Mm. think are keeping us, uh, that are making us to be this optimized, ideal person who has everything together. And we spend far more time maintaining that machine and or guilting ourselves for the machine falling apart for only drinking five glasses of water instead of eight that we actually don't live. It's like you said in the very beginning of this conversation, like we miss the living. We spend so much time on the maintenance that we miss the living because we're putting so much value on like having the system and the structure around us rather than thinking when you're in the moment, what matters here? Is this the season I'm living in? 
is this a place that I can apply? You know, I've got these 13 principles. Like, is this a place that I can apply this very tangible? Um, one of the principles is the magic question. Uh, what can I do now to make life easier later? That's a very practical thing. Like you can apply that to literally anything. Like what can I do now to make dinner easier later? What can I do now to make school pickup easier later? What can I do now to make seeing this friend easier later? Like you can actually magic question anything, but it's not, it's magic in the sense that it actually makes you move and do something that matters to you as opposed to building, you know, this enormous thing that you have to maintain. It's like we keep expecting ourselves, that's why we buy 17 planners every year, you guys, that we keep expecting ourselves to have everything in like working order, every element of our life in working order. And yet we are giving equal priority to every area of our life when sometimes they they're, they don't need to be that way. They can't be that way if you want to sustain it. Like you said, I love that when you are moving into writing and you ask your family, like, there, we got to make a trade. Like, this is just kind of how it's going to go. But let's talk about that. Like, you weren't like, okay, so then on Tuesdays, I'm going to do this. And on Wednesdays, I'm going to do Like, you don't have to make everything linear. You know, we can just have a conversation about what matters right now. I love that so much because I think it's, I think we put so many expectations on ourselves. And then, you know, there may be some girls listening that are just totally wired like you, Kendra, they get it done. But me, I'm an all or nothing girl, which means if I can't do it all, then I do nothing. Right. And so I spent so much of my young adult life, like just frozen. And knowing I was, I had so much to do. I remember telling my husband one day, I said, here's the deal. Um, like I've let things pile up so much. I'm absolutely paralyzed. But like, if you could just pick up a dish and put in the dishwasher, <laughs> it's like unlocks something for me. And I'm like, okay, I don't have to do everything, but I can do something. And I think that's what I'm hearing you saying. It's like, what can I do today that could make life easier? And so what, what, how do you kind of discern that? What does that look like for you on a day-to-day -day basis? I think the first place it starts, there's like a, there's kind of an intangible first step and then a very, very tangible second step. So the intangible first step is I really want to encourage us to stop conflating, um, like just giving up, like, well, I just can't, I can't keep it together with being vulnerable. Amen. We assume that people who don't have it all together are the ones who are real. And the ones who do seem to have it all together, who stereotypically like wear quote unquote real clothes, they wear hard pants and they wear lipstick and they have a planner and they have, you know, like they're organized or their house is clean when you go over there, that somehow they are fake. Ne neither of those things is true. They're neither, neither of them is true. So we have to first like widen our definition of what vulnerable and real mean. Um, I say this in the book, it's like, if I, and I have before, if I share on Instagram, like I, um, you know, a kid just, a kid just pooped on the floor and left it. He pooped in the middle of the, in the middle of the night. He, and I came out at six and the poop was still on the floor and I have to clean it up now. And I'm very angry about it. And I haven't showered in four days and we don't know what we're having for dinner tonight. And like all these different things. And people are like, oh, you're so real. <laughs> but if I share like dinner's ready at four o'clock, you know, like it's already prepped. It's on the counter. I'm showered. I've gone on like a bold lipstick and I'm outside playing with my kids in the yard. Is that as real? 
It is. It is as real. Like they're both real. And so we have to give ourselves permission first before we start thinking about any sort of like systems and steps and tangible things, because I do want you to get stuff done. Like the whole thing, the lazy genius way, it's, it is uh, embrace what matters, ditch what doesn't and get stuff done. Like we still have to get stuff done. Um, I'm not saying to just like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not like all so it's systems with soul. We need systems with soul. We need both things. And so, um, but we have to start with giving yourself permission that you don't have to be falling apart to be real. And you can like be organized around certain things and be good at certain things and be a genius about things and claim those things and still be real and give grace to other people who are living differently than you. So that's the first part of that. <laughs> I love that so much because, uh, yeah, it's so funny how how we have almost idolized this whole, you know, I'm, I'm a mess and that's just how it is. And I think we miss out on this beautiful adventure that I think life is all about. And that's uh, this wonderful becoming that I'm not what I was. I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm certainly not what I was. And so to have that forward movement, and I, I just know that you are that for so many women, that you offer this safe place uh, a, a person who's there, who understands the struggle, who's offering real advice, and you do it in so many ways. I, tell us a little bit about your podcast and also your collective. Yeah, so the podcast is, <laughs> wait for it, the Lacey Genius Podcast. Um, Brilliant. Again, so creative with the name, it's everywhere. Um, but no, basically the Lacey Genius Podcast, we just had our, at, when we were having this conversation, we just had our 200th episode. So it's been very exciting. It's been happening a long time. Um, but the podcast is essentially the principles applied to specific things. Now, I didn't know that for the first, I don't know, 120 episodes, um, <laughs> because the principles were things that I was was already applying to my life, but I hadn't really named them that way, you know? And so when I was writing the book, I was having some trouble with the, writing the book as one does when one writes a book. Uh -huh. And I was like, um, this is not the book I pitched. I don't know what to do now. Um, and I had this thought of like, are there underlying principles that sort of like I use for all of these specific things? And turns out there were, and there were 13, and then there was the book. So um, I realized that Every single podcast episode is essentially applying lazy genius principles to all kinds of things, buying gifts, doing laundry, making soup, um, navigating family tension, figuring out your screen time for your kids and for yourself, um, how to do a chore chart, how to uh, like be in community with people, how to host a crowd at your home, which one day we will get to do that again. Like all kinds of things. And so what I really love about the podcast, like it's such a, a fantastic resource, I think, because the titles are just what they are. You know, mm -hmm. like they are what they are, the lazy genius guide to whatever. And so you can just kind of scroll through the podcast and find something that's like, oh, that is a pain point for me right now. I'm going to listen to how to lazy genius my kids clothes, listen and done, you know. Um, and what I really love about about the principles and the podcast as well is I am not, I am not in the business of wanting you to copy my life um, because things work for me because of who I am, who my family is, how we live, where we live, our season of life, all these different things. And so what I aim to do is to help people think through 
the steps to kind of figure out their own system, like apply this principle to your life. What does that look like? It's going to look different Mm -hmm. for all of us. And so it really is not like do it this way because that's kind of what has gotten us into this jam in the first place is like, we've just been listening to people who have said, do it this way Mm -hmm. and it works for them. And that's great. And I'm so glad it has worked for them, but just because it doesn't work for you, that doesn't mean you are the problem. It just means that system isn't right for you. So this is kind of a way, the book is a way to help you build your own system. And then a podcast is almost like the practicing of what that looks like in specific topics. I love it. And then the lazy genius collective, is that a Facebook group? Well, we do have a Facebook group. Um, it's so funny. It's kind of like taken on a little bit of a life of its own. Like the the my most favorite thing is that people are in there. Someone will say like, well, Kendra says blah, blah, blah. And someone's like, who's Kendra? Like it's just <laughs> become this like thing where everyone's just taking care of each other, which I am I so love it. With. Um, But the reason that it is the Lacey Genius Collective is because we are made for community. Like we just are, we're made for connection and the internet is a beautiful place to connect and it's also really difficult. And I don't, I don't pretend that, you know, you're going to come and listen to my stuff and you're going to make like 20 friends from across the country. And I mean, I think that does happen to, to a point with some people like in comments of, you know, posts and stuff like that. But really the idea is like a mental solidarity of, I am part of a community that is seeing the world differently than how I have all this time of my adult life. And this way is more freeing. I feel more like myself. I'm still getting things done. I am loving and embracing and showing not just grace for, because I think sometimes when we talk about showing grace to people, it means that they've like done something wrong and that we need to show grace for them. There's nothing, you don't need to show grace to someone who like is a morning person when you're a night owl. Like you, that's not a, that's not a, a situation that needs grace. It's just a, a situation that needs us to think like, oh, we're just different people. Like that's cool. Like it's normal. We need to normalize like being, being different from each other. And so the idea of the collective is more about, um, yeah, just sort of giving people a safe place to think in a way where they don't have to have it all together and they can still care about certain things. Like they're allowed to care and that that's good. Um, and it's just really freeing when you are around other people who feel that same way. Ah, oh, so wonderful. It, it it really is just a delightful, um, just a place to feel like I, I'm seen, I'm known, and I can grow. And I think that that's the thing I love about what you do. You show up on Instagram and cook dinner each night. That's just so amazing. Um, I, I really need to start looking on looking at those because I'm like the world's worst cook that me and Martha on that point, we don't have a lot in common. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, you know, you've got these 13 steps that are just so beautiful. And I hope you guys that you'll, you'll check out Kendra's book. And also, um, they, can they go to your website and find some of this too? Yeah, absolutely. So everything is at thelazygeniuscollective.com. So you can get information about the book, you can um, get links to the podcast, all that kind of stuff. And there are, um, if you scroll back in the podcast feed around like July and August of 2020, so last year, that's when the book came out. And so a lot of the episodes around that time are actually very focused on the book and they talk about the principles and they actually like do some real time 
applying of those principles. We lazy, lazy genius something. So we, we turned it into a verb. Like, what can we lazy genius? And so if that is a specific thing that you're you know, interested in, there are some, um, some podcast episodes ar- around that. But um, yeah, it's like, I want, I love that we are, it's a, it's a place, it's a, it's a community where like we're allowed to care equally about like getting crispy skin on chicken and talking to our kids about sex. And then also like, how do we deal with this pandemic? And then how do I take a dessert to this thing? And how do I have a conversation with my mother? Because she is not handling this pandemic the way that I would hope she would. And I mean, it's like all these different things, but it's the lazy genius way. It's like thinking about it. You don't need a new list of things to do. You need a new way to see. Hmm. And so that's, that's what the the community does. And I just, I love it so much. Oh, that's so beautiful. I, I'm, I'm excited to have people check into that. You know, I'd like to dive into one thing because I, I am fascinated when I wrote, um, having a Mary Hart in a Martha world, I was 36 years old, had two kids at home, young kids, not young, 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 but young enough. And, um, And all of a sudden, you know, I'm stepping into this different world. And not only have you written a book and have a podcast, but, but you've actually turned it into a business and, but you still have little kids. So you're wearing all of these different hats. How have you lazy genius your way to to the online world and business? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, uh, Slowly and carefully. (laughs) And I've messed it up sometimes. Um, I think that one thing that was really helpful, at least in the beginning, was, um, okay, so my kids are, my boys are 11 and 9. So they're both in elementary school. They have been at home. They were home in the fall. um, And they started going back to school in person in January. So just a little while ago. Um, So that was an interesting, that was an interesting time. Uh Um, They're in third grade and fifth grade. So they've been going to school for, you know, a little while. And then my daughter is, um, she'll be five next month. And she is in preschool. She's in her last year of preschool. And she's been in preschool for three, this is her third year. So, um, I, the thing that was really, really important was seeing the time that I have alone as like, I'm going to work. I'm Mm. going to work. I'm not. And it's a challenge. Every single day you walk in the house and it's like, oh, the breakfast dishes are still out. Oh, I need to, I should probably get a jump on dinner. Oh, I need, you know, all those things. And, um, and to have to just say, this is important. You cannot write when the kids are around. You can cut an onion when they are. <laughs> so true. you need to go right now. You've got to go. Um, and so that's been really helpful to just like compartmentalize the work time to really value it um, and to realize that I'm going to, yeah, sacrifice some things like you were saying on the other side. And that's okay. That's actually a really good thing. Like we all have to kind of make those, we have to make those choices. Um, so that's one piece of it. Another thing that's been sort of recent um, but it's been like really transformative. And I realize this isn't an option for every single person, but um, I hired help. Um, and I have an assistant who started out with me at like five hours a week. Like it was just really, really small. Just she was going to do my my uh, my email. I just needed somebody in my inbox, my business inbox. And so it was like, okay, can I make this investment? Like I'm not really making a whole lot of money right now. And, and what that also did was made me think about like, how can I serve my community in a way that actually does support this work. You know, it's it's good if you're listening and you do work 
in any capacity that is your own, where you're creating something that you're offering to the world, you are allowed to get paid for it. Right. Like you you can get paid for it. And so I just want to give you that permission. So um, I was like, what can I do actually to like sustain this person now that I've hired? And she started working more and more and then she ended up quitting her full-time job and she like works for me now totally. And so that's been really, really helpful because she takes sort of the, she takes all the things that I'm not good at. Like I'm right. lazy. I'm a genius. I'm a lazy genius because I cannot be a genius about all those things. She can. So I'm gonna let her do it. I'm gonna pay her to do it. And I just do creative things. I just create content. That's all I do. Um, but then even things like we eat the same 20 meals over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And that's okay. That's a trade that we've made um, because I don't have time to try to find new recipes that my kids are not gonna whine about. You know, that's this is the season of life for like repetition in the dinner. Um, for a while, I had I hired a house cleaner. Like when I was writing the Lazy Genius Way, I hired a house cleaner mm-hmm. because I could mm-hmm. do that. You know, it's just like you can't do everything. Like you just can't do everything. And so the only way that I was able to transition, it's exactly what you said when you decided to transition into writing as well, is you have to go, all right, so what am I doing? What am I going to let go? I can't. I can't maintain the same level of dedication to the things that I have been doing and just add a job on top of that. That's not how this works. So mm-hmm. what can I let go of? And it's sometimes like right now we don't have a house cleaner um, because we're home and it's like, well, we'll just clean it. It's fine. Um, and, but that was, I'm sure we'll go back eventually. It's like, you just, it's like I was saying about naming what matters. Things change. Right. We right. we learn and we need different things. And so it's not, again, building a big machine that you're trying to maintain. It's just like this week. I mean, my husband and I talk every single week, like every Sunday night. All right. What's going on this week? What do we need? What do, what do you need? What do I need? How can we help each other? What do the kids need? Like we just see what we need and what matters then. And then we make decisions and we often apply lazy genius principles to help us make those decisions kind of week, week to week. And that's sort of where, like you were saying before, I love that phrase of like, we miss living life when we're so like 10,000 feet with it all. How am I going to balance work life and home life? That's the question. Well, why don't you live in it? And as you hit pain points, as you hit like frustrations of, I don't, I don't like the way I feel about this. I don't like how I'm reacting to my kid because I'm tired or I'm resenting them because I didn't get as much work done as I wanted to. Like you just pay attention to what your season is telling you, what the Holy Spirit is leading you to think and do. And like, like all of those things, you just pay attention and then you make decisions. Like our friend, Emily P. Freeman says, like, just do the next right thing. That's right. The next right thing. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. And I think it, I think the thing is just understanding that we're in a learning process, you know, and it's, it's okay to make mistakes because sometimes that's the only way you find out what works and what doesn't work. Um, I do know for me, one of the things early on was also taking it to the Lord and saying, okay, God, what do you want this to look like? Because a lot of opportunities open to speak and God, from the very beginning, put a, a boundary of just eight to 10 times a year, which doesn't make sense when you're an author, you're supposed to be out there. But I just knew in my heart that that was what he was saying. And it's been so interesting because it really hasn't changed. That has maintained over these now, oh my word, 20 years. Um, 
And whenever I push it and do more, <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. I feel it. And so I think even just taking our life to the Lord and saying, you know, Lord, what do you say? You know, what, what matters? Cause the thing that, you know, he's not this, you know, this sovereign ruler up there that we've got to please and appease. He's this wonderful, gracious father who wants to help us. He's the one who gave us this life right. and he's the one who wants to give us the wisdom to live it. And so I, I think, I think that's it. You know, it's giving ourselves grace, but also just inviting the Lord. And, and asking for wisdom. Well, I loved being with you so much. Um, we could just talk all day. You know, in the book, you've got 13 chapters that outline the 13 tips. If you were to say, here are three or four or whatever number you would say that you think is a good place to begin, what would they be? Absolutely. Okay. So the first principle that I would say, just because of where we are in our current world is, it's principle number four, it's live in your season. Mm. Um, the whole idea of like, we keep expecting a previous, the way that things worked in a previous season of life to work now. You know, it's that idea of like when you have a baby and you're like, well, the baby's not going to change anything. And people <laughs> who have had babies are like, oh, my love. They so are though. <laughs> like you, that's just what it is. It's just what it is. Like we're in this, we're in this pandemic there. This is a season. It's so difficult. And we're all grieving the loss of things that we miss. And somehow we think we're doing it wrong because we don't have those. But no, this is the season where those aren't as a priority right now because other things are more of a priority. You know, it's just, it's making those, those choices. Um, I remember a, um, there was a mom who contacted me and she was like, how, how can I have my family sit down for dinner every night when we have baseball practice until eight o'clock? And I said, well, this isn't the season for sitting around with your family at dinner. Like that's just not the season you're in. So maybe you sit together at breakfast or maybe you eat in the trunk of the car, you know, like you open the lid to your SUV and you guys sit together in between the practices or this just isn't a season for that. So release the the guilt that you're doing it wrong. It's just not the season for that. So live in your season. I think that that's like one of the most important ones, especially right now. Yeah, oh, totally. So good. Um, and. Another one that feels like is so practical because we've been talking about like a lot of heart things, which is obviously very, very important, um, but we also need to get our stuff done. And so one of my, the more practical ones is actually the first principle in the book and it's decide once. So basically there are so many things in your life that you make a decision about over and over and over and over and over again, right? What to eat, what to wear, who to buy gifts for, what you're going to watch, what you're going to read, like all these different things. The principle of decide once is to choose one thing, like one decision that you're just annoyed at making it all the time, make it one time, decide it one time, and then just keep doing that thing until it doesn't work anymore. So an example is um, that I've shared on Instagram for years is the Monday uniform. Um, I don't even really do it anymore because I've actually treated my closet differently than I did when I uh, used the Monday uniform myself. But Mondays were like so stressful. And because they're like all these decisions and I'm just like, I don't, I don't have the capacity. The weekend wasn't as restful as I wanted. And blah, blah, you know, we're always like freaking out about Mondays. And so I thought, what if I just decide one, like right now, what I'm going to wear every Monday and it was denim and black in mm -hmm. some form and it changed my life. <laughs> like it was the <laughs> best thing. And people share their Monday uniforms on Instagram and tag me all the time. And it's like my absolute favorite because it's just one decision lifted. We make so many decisions. So things like when you get um, like a kid 
like a kid's birthday party invitation, you've already decided that kid is getting a puzzle or that kid is getting a book with a gift card to the toy store or that kid is getting this particular board game that we play as a family because we love it so much. Like, you know, there are just things that we can decide one time and we don't have to do it over and over again. And it's so nice. It's so nice. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> it's lazy genius, Joanna, is what it is. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I had to do it. I had to do it. You set me up. <laughs> I um, did. And then I would say probably we've touched on several others. Be kind to yourself. Uh, schedule rest. Um, let people in. Um, but I think one that I would probably kind of end with is um, is to start small. Um, I mm. talked about that big machine. We think that we have to have everything together before we move. And when we build big things, we just don't go anywhere. We just sit in shame of like not having gotten it right. And so I would, I love the principle of start small because it applies to literally everything. It it applies to just even listening to this episode. If you're, if you're listening to this podcast episode and you're like, I want to do all the things and I'm going to listen to all our podcast episodes and I'm going to read our book and then I'm going to decide once on everything. It's like, no, 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 no. You start small. Just pick one thing. Just do one thing because you're going to get overwhelmed by all the things. And you're already really, really good at that. Like we're really good at getting overwhelmed at all the things. Like you said, like you just asked your husband, can you just put one dish in the dishwasher and maybe I won't be overwhelmed by all of this. Like jumpstart me a little bit. Start small. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Oh, this has been so rich, Kendra. Well, I just thank you so much for being willing to just... First of all, be that person who's in there learning things, figuring out stuff. Um, I just love that you're sharing it with us. And so just anything, any new advice just that's new to you that you are, you're putting into practice that's kind of changing things for you? You know, something that I was thinking about um, when I, when I think about mothering, and I don't know that all of your um, listeners or mothers, but I think that this applies to all of your listeners, that there is definitely seasons of life, like having tiny babies or, I mean, really anything where we just feel really overwhelmed. And I remember feeling really guilty when my time with the Lord in scripture shifted, mm, when yeah. it, it just was like, I can't, I can't get up in the morning <laughs> Like I used to, I'm up all night. Like, please don't, I can't keep my eyes open, like trying to read the Bible and like all these things. And it just felt like I was doing it wrong because that's sort of what we hear, right? Is that you, you have to start your day in the word or your whole day is just shot. (laughs) And, and I think that there needs to be a paradigm shift there of like this idea of um, even the pressure of like pray without ceasing. I think that really, really what Jesus is inviting us to is just companionship, just constant Mm -hmm. companionship of like, I'm with you. What's going on? You know, like, and I think that practice that sort of been on my mind recently, um, simply because we are like so tired and overwhelmed by our lives in a, in a very deep traumatic way right now. And to release the expectation that even the way that your relationship with the Lord looks, um, you can, like you said, like he's not just up there with his arms crossed, like, well, you you only read for 10 minutes instead of 20. Or I've gotten questions about how do I lazy genius my quiet time? And I'm like, you don't. You don't <laughs> lazy genius your quiet time. That's the one thing we don't lazy genius because you can just let God love you. Sometimes there are seasons of our lives where we just have to be open-handed 
and just let God love us. And it looks different than it does for other people. And that's what makes God so beautiful is because the Holy Spirit is like big enough and wide enough and deep enough to love us all the way we need where we are. And so just to release that pressure and guilt of even how your relationship with the Lord needs to be optimized. That's not what he calls us to. I love that so much. You know, it was so freeing when I realized that he wasn't as disappointed with me as I was. (laughs) Oh, totally. (laughs) You know, I mean, just the grace of God is so amazing. But then he does say, I I love how you say, you know, of just of just doing life with him. And I, I've read this before, but it came to mind again, Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty 28, 30 in the message translation, come to me. And again, I don't know that that means that I carve out 40 minutes for quiet time, but it's almost like rather than us coming to him, we invite him to come with us. And he says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I think when I, when I just take, even if it's the only spiritual thing I do in the morning is just invite the Lord to do life with me that day, you know, like, Lord, I just, I just ask you for wisdom, lead and guide me. Here's what I think needs to be done, but I give you permission, Um, have your way. And it's just, this is where I think Christianity gets fun. Because it's not about a to-do list. It's not another to-do list. It's this beautiful relationship and overflow of of just hanging out with God. And as we hang out with Him, His grace is released to do the other things that He's that we need to do. So, oh, I love this. I'm so glad that you came and shared with us and we'll have to check back with you another time. You know, when you have the lazy genius way for what, what are some of the things that you're going to do the lazy genius for? <laughs> well, ironically, the next book that I just turned in is the lazy genius kitchen. So oh. it's just the lazy genius, whatever, but that is, that one's actually going to get made. That one comes out next March. So that'll be fun. I love it. Well, to give you just a little peek into my my kitchen world, Kendra, and how much I need you. <laughs> I always I always blame my oldest son for traumatizing me as a young mother. I'd made, you know, I'd made spaghetti and, you know, it wasn't anything super amazing, but I, you know, I sure. set the table and everything. And so after dinner, my husband says, "Hey kids, wasn't that great?" And they're like, "Yeah, that was good." And my my fourth grader. I think he was even, he was old enough to know better. (laughs) He says, yeah, mom, that was good, but you should really call the school and get their recipe. (laughs) Yeah. Scarring, scarring, you know, so I'll have to buy the book. You'll have to help me, Kendra girl. Man, I get that. I've had my kids say, it's not bad. I'm like, all right, thanks, man. I'm so glad that my dinner was like mediocre and acceptable to you in this moment. Thank you so much. Do you ever want to like pull out Instagram and say, do you see how many people loved this dish? I, you know, it's funny. Like I, I actually, the, the number of times, cause I'm a good cook. I would not, I would not write a book called the Lazy Genius Kitchen if I didn't have some confidence in the process, but I also have duds. Everybody does. It's like, you have to learn there too. You have to get stuff wrong in the kitchen too. And the number of times that my husband caused, he's like, you guys, I don't think you understand. People make mom's food like right now. Like they're making her chicken right now. Do you know? And they're like, well, it's not this. Like, it's not as good as whatever. Like, it's just kids are going to do that, man. It's the worst. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. And you know what? I you've you've touched on it several times, but I think one of the most important lazy genius ways is just to let go of the guilt. It's true. Well, thank you so much for being with us. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for having me, Joanna. Well, I sure love that concept, the lazy genius way. You can find links to all of Kendra's wonderfulness over at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash zero five nine. With summer here, I'm really trying to simplify things so that I can drink in all of summer sweetness. And if you're looking for a companion to your adventures this summer, well, you can find a whole host of past episodes on any podcast player. Just subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or go to the website because there's some wonderful wisdom that I think would be um, really beneficial. Well, until next time, my dear, keep living and loving and leading like Jesus.